A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to Ruthie, Uni, Dad and Me. But no uni at the moment, Ruthie. No uni. I'm back from uni. Yes, a, a hugely long break. December the 6th to January the 6th. Like a that. month. A month. Just right. <laughs> what do you say, just right? And no, I already miss it quite a bit, actually. You miss uni? Mm. But then I don't know whether I should have stayed for a week and then gone back a week early and then had like less time, but I needed the time off the lessons. Mm. It's very taxing. Well, I can see how taxing it's been um, because you've come back with work to do. Uh, but your your comment on that is it'll do sort of next week. Just it'll do. It'll keep to next week. Yes. So you've had a week, as we say, decomposing, haven't you? Decompressing. Oh, sorry, decompressing. Well, you watched Sanditon, the um, Jane Austen adaptation. Yeah. Uh, all three episodes of that. You watched movie wise. What have we watched in, in blah, movies? Blah blah blah. Well, go on. What have you, watched you watched yesterday? Well, we watched that together, which we'll talk about later. But you watched random Netflix Sky movies. Oh, I watched and... something called The Princess Switch, which was perhaps the worst <laughs> film I've ever seen. So Vanessa Hudgens, who, if you don't know, was the star of High School Musical back in the day plays both princesses it's in a christmas town (laughs) (laughs) and they don't know each other exist and it's never really explained why they're (laughs) twins (laughs) apparently they have some granddad who's the same but they're not twins they just look really really alike so then they switch places and they both fall in love with the other person's person who they weren't really in love with. And then one of them stays being the princess of somewhere that's called, like, Trinovia or... Yeah, but, but, we know that. Uh, no, it's called... Vul- no, it's, it's called Bavaria. Called... Oh, which is a genuine place. Yes, Bavaria's a proper place. Yeah, so, so they've stolen Bavaria. Right, do they literally call it Bavaria? Are you sure they're not calling it Gen- No, I'm pretty sure they call what, what, it Genovia. Genovia. The land the I call my home. <laughs> Genovia. That gets stuck in my head so often, the, the um, national anthem of Genovia. <laughs> Genovia was the one with Julie Andrews. No, Princess, The Princess Diaries is a genuine, like, quite good film. Mm. Um, Anne Hathaway, Julie Andrews is very good. Um, it has a... It has an actual plot, it has explanations, it has exposition, has, you know, tension and stuff. I don't want it lumped in with The Princess Switch, which is a Netflix Mm. original film, and it is diabolical. Yes, a lot of Netflix original films are pretty poor, aren't they? But we watched, well, no, we watched it separately, but I watched a Netflix film, which I then said you should watch. Mm, I did watch Which was Marriage Story. Yeah, we'll maybe talk about that. I also saw The Irishman on uh, Netflix. I've not seen that. That's great, but I don't think you'd enjoy it. If you're a fan of Goodfellas, it's really good. I've never seen Goodfellas. Ah, well, if you've never seen Goodfellas. It would be hard for me to be fan yeah a lot of the trips anyway because you're not at university at the moment it sort of dilutes the the raison d'etre of the podcast because we can we can talk about you being off university and it sort of reverts to what used to happen i can't give you any university anecdotes really no being not there being not there at the moment it's difficult it does but it reverts to what the original podcast was which means that i can start with a lame joke which is... Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. I still am a student. You still so, um, a student, but you haven't got any York Rush for us. I have. Oh, Those still any... exist, yeah. I know it still exists. Oh, so you still look at it while you're... <laughs> of course I do, Dad. Not as often. I, I only looked at it because, because I had to, because yeah. of this. Have but, you found a nice one? Because I know I'm not getting one, you know? If, if I'm not there, no, I can't have one. Mm. So, yeah, do you want me to tell you my York Rush? Tell me your York Rush. Okay, um, 
JC, grey hair, socialist, keen, keep seeing your face about, would love to see you run the country, you sexy man. <laughs> It's rather good, but that was quite nice. We're not going to get a grey-haired socialist running the country, which we will talk about in just a second. But I'd also prepared a lame joke. It's one of Milton Jones's one. He's a very good one-liner merchant, and his one-liner is, "Oh, my granddad, he was a real ladies' man. It doesn't matter how clearly the gents was marked." <laughs> not bad. That's um, bad. <laughs> let's, that's rather bad. But let's talk about the uh, election. So it's now just for context. Yeah, it's the Friday the thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth, which it's is the morning. Apt. Mm, it is. We've uh, woken up to. Well, in fact, we saw it all last night, and, the, and you know we saw the exit polls, which were. Incredibly accurate. They did very well. Yeah, the, the, Labour did slightly better than it said in the election. In the exit. what was the what was the official end thing? It said about two hundred and three Labour got, and it said in the exit poll one nine one one nine one. Oh, so they did quite a lot better. So they did quite a bit better, but it was more or less accurate. We knew it was going to be a disaster for Labour. And uh, there are some people, like your very wise father, who's been telling you for two and a half years... Oh, I'm sick of hearing. The words, I've been saying it for three years, have come out of your mouth more than anything. Mm. I'm bored of it. But I have. Have I not? You've been saying that you don't like Jeremy Corbyn, but I genuinely don't think this is all down to Jeremy Corbyn. I would say it was 90% Corbyn. 90% Corbyn. Definitely. It was only when... Because I I stayed up till like three o'clock in the morning watching the various uh, defeated Labour MPs coming on. How are you not more tired? I've just got a lot of energy. But anyway, so I stayed up till like three o'clock in the morning and the number of people who came on and said, on the doorstep... People didn't want to talk about Brexit on the doorstep. That's absolute nonsense. People wanted to talk about Corbyn. And the problem is, it's, you know, they were so intent on taking over the Labour Party, Momentum, all those people, Seamus Milne, all the guys around Corbyn, that they turned it, and I, I tweeted this two and a half years ago, that he's turned it from a proper political party into a fan club. You know, when, when I saw that Glastonbury stuff, ooh, Jeremy Corbyn, I thought, he's not going to win votes in Wakefield. No, nobody in Wakefield or Hemsworth or any of those places are going to vote for no. ooh, Jeremy Corbyn. You know, because those people can't afford to go to Glastonbury for a start. Yeah. Um, no, but so that's why I'm saying it wasn't just a Corbyn thing. It was a forgotten heart, like I'm saying, yeah. heartlands in inverted commas. And Corbyn, with all his Islington council mates, you know, with... Yeah, you can't win an election in, in London. No, there's no way he was going to take the, the north of England because they just... But he it had as, it, that's the thing. It wasn't a question of even taking it, you know, he no, had it, exactly. but lost it. It's very... He well, genuinely me, has really upset me. Like, it, it. Brought, a le- uh, brought a tear to my eye hmm. The election when the election results started coming out. But I did warn you. I pre-prepared you. No, you were saying... No, right, I'm not having that, because I was saying to you, I think there's this big echo chamber on Twitter, I think it's... I don't think they're going to get in, like, blah, blah, blah. And you said, oh, I think they've done a lot better than we were expecting. Oh, I think the tide's really turned. These were all things you said the day before yesterday. So don't you say that it's been two and a half years of you being absolutely sure of yourself. I was completely convinced that Corbyn was useless from the start. However, uh, on social media, I have to say, the young people who are in charge of... Of Labour's uh, social media played a blinder. The so, mm. I mean, I was getting. Doesn't matter though, does I, it really? I, I, it just proves that it was Corbyn because all that stuff on social media about the homeless, about the NHS, about all the all the things that they had. Whoever was running actual Corbyn's Twitter was doing a stellar job as well. Brilliant job, brilliant yeah. job. So that's why I thought the tide was turning because I was seeing all this on social media and thinking if it wasn't for Corbyn. I'd vote Labour, you know, because... So that's why but, I, uh, I was convinced it was it I would was have Corbyn. preferred Corbyn in than Johnson. For a start, if, you were, if you're Jewish, you couldn't vote for Corbyn. You could not... Plenty of Jews did, I'm sure. A very, very few. How do you... Very, what are you basing few. that on? I'm basing you have it no on, actual figures. I have no actual figures. Nobody has any actual figures. But, come on. I voted Labour. Yeah, but I can't imagine anybody who's slightly older than you, put it that way, mm. and slightly more, and knows about the history of things, knows about the, uh, the meetings he had with Hezbollah and Hamas and the IRA and all that. You know, 
there was no way he was going to win an election. You yeah. know, it just was not a very good look. It was, a t- you know, because at the end of the day, an election is a beauty yeah, but contest. That's, but the thing is, though, don't you think the media tarnished Corbyn, uh, Corbyn more than they did Boris Johnson? Oh, way, way more. But, but the, like, but like Boris Johnson had just as many really bad-looking things that he said. Mm. But the media, yeah. will choose the left-wing candidate to. Oh, to yeah, criticise way more, which is completely unfair. Well, That's what I'm saying. It was un- unfair to Corbyn because he's no worse than... Well, I think Johnson is way worse than him. The, what you're talking about is the media, right? Yeah. So you're talking about the newspapers, the Times, the Telegraph, the Daily Mail, the Daily Express... Nobody reads newspapers compared to, you know, certainly young people don't read newspapers. You know, when you consider, People watch Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby there. Yeah, but when you... Who, con- who gave Corbyn a way harder time than they did Boris Johnson. No, they had, a, they had an issue that they could go, the, the anti-Semitism thing, they could go on that. Yeah, but, well, they could go on the the letterbox comment, any of those things. Yeah, and I'm sure they didn't mention I never watch... Uh, they didn't, that's the point, name. they didn't. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, when you consider the number of people that are watching Twitter and Instagram compared to yeah, who it's reads the, same the group, It's Express, the same group of people. The Twitter thing didn't really matter because it was too small of an audience. No, to, Twitter's to get a it. massive audience. Yeah, and it, no, well, not really though. No, it's this, it's just a certain group of like people, and that's why I'm saying that the Twitter gives you the wrong impression of it because it's the same people who retweet stuff and like stuff and the the polls that happen on Twitter that said like seventy percent live we're saying, never going to be right. No, what I'm saying is, Tories had the newspapers definitely. Labour had social media, definitely, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all that. Yet somehow, mysteriously, Labour lost. I'll tell you why. Corbyn. Do you want to say that anymore? Because you're not really bringing anything new to the party. (laughs) No, I'm not bringing anything new to the party, but I'm just saying that proves it. There's no, you know, you can't deny that it's Corbyn. No, I'm not. Why are you having a go at me? I'm not denying that it was Corbyn. You're, like, shouting at me for no reason. No, I'm, I'm shouting because... Because... For emphasis. <laughs> right, OK. But you've just been saying that it's Corbyn over and over again, and I've not disagreed once. No, but but you're saying it's... I, but I think your virulent yeah, yeah. hatred of Corbyn mm. is just as bad as people shouting, ooh, Jeremy Corbyn. It's the, it's the inverted cult of personality. Your hatred of Corbyn, regardless of what he says or does, is just as ridiculous as anything else. No, what what he's done is history, basically. Yeah, I know, but you you would hate Jeremy Corbyn regardless of what he of what happened. No, I mean I don't even know him. I can't. uh, Yeah, but exactly, that's what I'm saying. I think this just blind hatred of a person is silly. Well, no, it's not. Well, it's not just him. He he epitomizes the the left wing of the of the Labour Party, the momentum, etc., etc. But the the Labour Party should be left wing. Yes, but it should be left-wing. I mean, the whole point of a political party is to win elections. They have no other other point other than to win elections. Yeah, but, yeah to improve the country, I think. Yeah, but the, they can't do that without winning an election. No, I know, but still. It doesn't just make me angry. I saw Alan Johnson, who used to be a fine Labour MP, has written some great books, which I've read. He was on TV. He was furious. He was absolutely yeah. furious. With no, I'm not Corbyn surprised. I bet Mary Cray, who lost her seat in Wakefield, was furious yeah. as well. But also, they've they've done like the Labour MPs have done it to themselves. Like it's unfair to blame it all on Corbyn. They should have kicked him out. Yeah, like it was their job to do it as well. Mm. You can't just blame Corbyn. He didn't take the party. No, I don't blame just unwittingly. Corbyn. Like he didn't take the party in the night without them knowing. Mm, that's a good point, actually. I blame Ed Miliband to some extent because Ed Miliband changed the constitution so that you could you you could join the Labour Party very very cheaply, and therefore they built up this uh, this this fan club basically for Corbyn, mm. and they couldn't get him out. There was no way they could get him out. The constitution was changed, and therefore the left. Momentum had complete control. They had, you know, it was a brilliant takeover of the Labour Party by the left, and all the Blairites suddenly became non-people. You know, all these people like uh, Hillary Benn or Yvette Cooper or anybody you care to mention who was part of the last Blair and Brown government. All those people, the woman in Doncaster, I've forgotten her name now, but she got Caroline, Jessica, F- no Caroline but- Flint. She got knocked out last night. All those, um, all those Blairites, the ones that came in with uh, with Tony Blair, they all suddenly became non-people overnight. It was a Stalinist purge, to be honest. And I think that's clutching at straws a bit to compare Corbyn to Stalin. 
Well, no, because he didn't get his hands. He didn't win. Uh, we don't know what, how comparable. Oh, come on, Dad! Let's not. Let's. That's a bit silly. It does make me upset for young people. Yeah, I'm upset for you. I mean, if I had been a young person, I'd have voted. Like, I'm upset that what happened to the Labour Party. Yeah. That you didn't have a party that you could vote for, and thinking that uh, it was going to do any good. Well, I just didn't think they were getting. But I didn't think they would lose quite as many seats as they did. No, now that well, now that I, as you know. But I also think it is it is. I think that Labour started losing before Brexit. I don't think this was. A, I, I understand why some people are calling it the Brexit election and everything. They have lost it in big leave seats and stuff, but. Brexit was a symptom of stuff that was already there as well. Like mm. I, I still maintain that the Brexit election was not about Brexit at all. Well, no, obviously it was a bit, but no, I'm not, to agree. Not in the like. I think it was about a north-south divide. It was about austerity. It was about people feeling not listened to more than it was the actual policies of the EU. Yes, I mean, I and then and then I'm saying that that was there before the Brexit election, and this election is not a Brexit election. It's about all that other stuff. <laughs> You're, I you're think. now agreeing with me. This wasn't a Brexit election, it was a Corbyn election. No, I'm not saying it was a Corbyn election solely either. I think it was a more it was more complex than that. No, but if people had wanted, <laughs> no. if people had wanted to protest about austerity, about public services, about libraries closing down, whatever, the, the, the natural protest isn't to, oh, let's vote for the party that's been in for the last ten years. No, but I'm saying that they I think they voted against their current MPs. No, I don't think there was any evidence in Wakefield, for instance, that Mary Cray had become sort of suddenly unpopular. So why did... I just don't understand why people vote Tory then. Don't say Corbyn, I'm gonna, you, you're annoying me now. Problem is, with you not being at university, we can't talk that much about, about university. You've got a month off. Yeah, um, but I was going to talk a bit about coming home. All right. It was very weird. Yes. The first night back in my bed and stuff. I didn't sleep very well the first couple of really? nights. I felt it felt was it, unfamiliar. Your bed was too comfortable. Too comfortable. Yeah, I was used to. No, my bed at uni is really comfortable. Is it? The mattress topper. It's key. Um, no, it's just weird. Like also because I'm in a twin room, um, I was really not used to it being completely silent like that. And usually, you know, I'm drunk when I go to sleep, so that helps. <laughs> it was just weird not having someone else's like breath there or whatever like yeah. it was just strange and um, because i've not slept in a room on my own for like months um a couple of months yeah well that's still months plural yes yeah, months plural also i was there for two months three weeks which is really closer to three months <laughs> all right um so that was weird it was weird like being on my own for the first couple of days you know like sat in my room or whatever because it's always so busy and like so much is happening at uni and there's always like someone around or you go and sit together or, or whatever and so that was really weird but now it's fine yeah because you you've sort of settled in at home haven't you? yeah I've, I've settled right in <laughs> yeah yeah waiting for your food to be served to you oh it's so nice being able to go to the cupboard and just open it and like having selection. That's the thing. It was not just that I would have nothing. It was the choice. I would never have a choice of things, but mm. now I have a choice of crisps, a choice of biscuits, <laughs> a choice of like pastas. Mm. Different shapes. Different shapes of pasta. Oh, Brilliant, so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like living in a different world. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Should we do some music? Let's. Well, a late change, a late change to my uh, music choice. I had a, a Neil Young track, which you probably hadn't heard. However, we were watching uh, yesterday this film about the uh, chap who remembered the Beatles tunes when nobody else did. So we watched that movie, and um, he played one of the very early Beatles songs, which you said, oh, I've never heard that one, so let's hear it. Well, she was just Beatles from when they were uh, a little rock and roll band, uh, the 22-year-old Beatles, uh, and that was very early uh, John Lennon uh, composition. I saw standing there. Yeah, 22. Were... What were you doing when you were 22? So we were just working in newspapers, really. Yeah. Not that actually, impressive, no, is it? I'd, well, no, I'd actually just finished my apprenticeship when I was 22. Apprenticeship uh, in what? In newspapers. I was oh. indentured to a newspaper in Bristol, and when I was 22... I just finished. Actually, it was 22. It was quite exciting because I got a lump sum of money when I finished my apprenticeship and travelled with it. But yeah, but I wasn't one of the Beatles. The point about the Beatles is they were a rock and roll band. They were very, they were very influenced by Chuck Berry and etc. etc. And that was from their very, very first LP. I said, but I'm surprised you never heard it. And you, you did say when we watched yesterday, you said uh, I must listen to more of the Beatles. Yeah, they're just such a little fringe band, aren't they? That I, I never turn them on. You can't. You In know. fairness, no, I actually should because there's so many songs that I just don't listen to enough of the Beatles. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a great band. I do. I'm a big fan. A big fan of the Beatles. Right. I like to get passionate about things. You know, I like the Beatles as much as I dislike Jeremy Corbyn. So. Um, I think we're going to have to put a, a limit on you saying you don't like Jeremy Corbyn because <laughs> well, I'm sure that there's lots of people listening who do like him, and I'd be interested well, to hear. You know I'm what not they sure say about people it. who like Corbyn. I think what you find I from think people, there are pe- there are, are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who respect him for bringing Labour back to the left, which I do understand. Most of my socialist friends who <laughs> like sorry, I didn't realise you had a little socialist society my, going on. My socialist friends, Karl Marx and what's his name, Engels, sat in that name? little yeah. Marx and cafe. I have to tell in you, London. This, this was this was amusing. But we, uh, when I was at school, uh, so it'd be about. 17 at the time. 100 years ago. 100 years ago. They were, we were doing some sort of word association thing, and some teacher was saying, this is another sixth form, and some teacher was saying, I'm going to ask you what you associate with different things. So, you know, we know, if I say Laurel, you'll say Hardy. Yeah. Laurel and Hardy. And then the teacher said, Mark. You're really showing your edge there, Dad. <laughs> and the teacher said, Marx, and I said, Marx and Engels. Well, I was thinking Marx and Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. So I've got a sort of bit of a socialist issue, but socialist, my socialist friends, most of them were very much in favour of what was in Labour's manifesto, you know, and, and the whole... Labour's manifesto was... was brilliant. Brilliant. Stuff, it, it, brilliant. It, it reminded me of reading gonna, the, the 1945 it. manifesto the, that when they got that massive Labour landslide and they brought in the NHS and all, and, um, like, minimum wage and all these amazing things. It was like reading that. Yeah. But they could have done, like... The, the people in the Financial Times, there was experts who said it was plausible. It was plausible. It was, and they no, could have, and, and like bringing, they were going to bring back Shaw Start and stuff, weren't they? Or not mm. bring it back, but like improve yeah, Shaw back, Start. Yeah, uh, did it get? Yeah, it got chopped. Uh, yeah, they're going to bring back Shaw Start. A Blair thing. Yeah, I know, and they were going to bring that back, but it was such a good manifesto, and it really. And even if you don't like Corbyn, I don't understand why you wouldn't vote for the manifesto. Because you didn't believe that he would do it. You know, you need to believe that this yeah, is a Yeah, but at least if you were voting for someone who you're like, maybe they won't do it, but at least they want to do it. Over someone who... And I read a really interesting article, this is what I've um, got saved, by um, Michael Segalov in The Guardian, who was saying that the Conservatives' manifesto was really, really light on detail for mm. a reason. And it's they didn't want... And he writes, they don't want to terrify us with the, their vision. Right. So what's the, uh, what's he saying? He's saying to, and he's saying that basically they're not going to improve any of those things. They're going to cut more stuff. 
um, but they've left that out of the manifesto, and that's why it's so much. It's got no detail in it. Mm. Well, they're, 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 exactly. I'm just saying, like, why would you vote for that? Over voting for someone who, yeah, maybe you won't get it done, but at least the stu- how can you not believe in well, free I, healthcare and mm. and public services? No, but they say that the, you know the, the, the Tories have promised quite a lot in terms of. I mean, you could look at the detail under the Tories. It's quite possible that HS two uh, might get cancelled because they. You know, but then he cancelled. Did you see all the stuff about that bridge? And they spent forty three million oh, yeah, yeah. on it. And then they're never even doing it. So where does the forty-three million go? That was from London. It was. It was on the bridge. Mayor, yeah, mayor of London. Yeah, and so he they they did forty-three million for this bridge, or whatever, and then it never got done. So that forty-three million was just what? Where where did well, it go? Well, you get lots of projects that this. I mean, that'll be the case with HS two, whichever. So where does all in. the money? Where's all that money gone? Well, it's what they call an infrastructure project. And it'll no, I get it. Like I mean, it creates I'm, jobs. I'm and not stuff. an accountant. Yeah, trickle down jobs, economy. People, yeah, people pay tax, etc., etc. So, uh, but if every penny that was spent was actually spent, and you know, you could see the result of it, it would be very, very unusual. It'd be impossible. Yeah, I just so mean like if there's no bridge, done. then. What? Then it was a waste of money, but it wouldn't be the only waste of money, you know. If no, you look at that. something like the NHS, which costs you know more than virtually any business in Europe in terms of what you know the, the, the cost, a lot of that will be wasted. A lot. Of, every every party that comes in, every party that comes in says, "Oh, we're going to make the NHS more efficient. We're not going, you know, we're cutting down management and blah blah blah." Um, but at the end of the day, it still gets wasted. Loads of management's of whatever it is. I mean, I know this from working at the BBC. Managements of whatever the organisation is know pretty well how to hide the wastage of money. And there will be vast wastage of money. And the bridge was part of his uh, London mayoral ship, the money they wasted. Hmm. But money's anyway, been wasted all the time. we've gone off on a tangent. Let's yeah. bring it back to the music. So while this oh, is yeah, all happening... I about the music. Yeah. <laughs> while this was all happening, um, and at midnight everyone was very upset because the results had not gone the way that a lot of people wanted them to or whatever. At, all at, people were very happy. At 10pm. At 10pm, but... Um, you know, when the day was ended, there was one thing that you always had to look forward to, which was Harry Styles' album was out. Oh, it came Midnight, out. it came out, the full album. This song's been out for a little bit longer because he released this on his like EP. The full album was out, so if you're feeling not good today, recommend giving it a listen. This song is called Adore You. by Harry Styles. Good I mean, clean pop, Dad. Good clean pop, isn't it? No, but it, genuinely, the album is actually really good. Of what I've listened to, I've not, I've not been able to listen to it all. It's called Fine Line. And yeah, it was out at midnight last night. Um, but it's very, yeah, it's very good. It's got some good songs in it from what I've heard. And I'm quite impressed with Harry Styles. And he's from the he's from One Direction. One Direction yeah. yeah, but I think he's really was managed he to separate himself. Yeah. Okay. And pe- I read remember reading an article that was in like I think it was in like the Times magazine or something like back in the day that said, you know, I meet all these boys and they seem like these boys who were on the X Factor and stuff and then Harry Styles and he seemed like a young Mick Jagger or something they said. Whatever. I think he was cl- it was clear that he was you know going to be the what of the other bands that have had one person who got famous uh, he's the Beyoncé. He's the Beyonce, or the Robbie Williams. Although, mm. you see, Robbie Williams is rubbish. Well, Robbie, well, he's, he's, is he the Gary? I don't think he's the Gary either. He's the Beyonce. The Beyonce of Destiny's Child. Beyonce of Destiny's Child. Beyonce, yeah. Kelly, and Michelle. Right. Or he's the George Michael of Wham rather than the Andrew Ritchie. Yes. Yeah, we got it. Thin on the email front, but I'll uh, I'll do them nonetheless. Because uh, it, it, with it being the Christmas season and such like, I'm assuming 
that people have other things on their mind, they'd be writing Christmas Fair enough cards to them as well. well. Fair enough. I wouldn't be writing as an email. No. Well, Paul Kench, bless him, did. He says, a few years since I went to uni, I'm surprised how many of the points from Ruth's list sounded familiar 25 years on. So when you did your list of 10 things you've learnt in, in your first mm. uh, term, he says, I'd like to add slash emphasise a few things. Uh, one, the friends you make at uni will largely be the ones that stick with you. That's lovely. Mm. Leaving your friends from home, especially the ones that don't go to uni, is hard not to do uh, slash avoid. He, I think he means like leaving behind. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or like outgrowing. Yeah. Looking back, he says, I wonder if we were all self-medicating for our anxiety with booze. It's not really a thought that would have been entertained what? at the time. Yeah, it's you. you could oh, you're anxious massively. About the 100%. Yeah, and and especially in like Freshers Week when you're um, trying to make friends Maybe, and stuff. Yeah. I, I would struggle to have done it without, without drinking. Yeah. But there, there were, I would remember I was having a conversation with some people in one of the bars when we were chatting about stuff and one of them couldn't drink because she had like... Um, like a gastroenteritis mm. yeah. type problem, whatever. So she actually couldn't drink, and she had to do freshers' week sober. <sighs> which, even despite even the, if you could get past like the awkwardness and the having to dance in a club, just would be like so tiring because the alcohol kind of keeps you awake. It's a stimulant in it, mm. but. I mean, and then makes you really tired, but you can kind of yeah. hype yourself up, can't yes, you? Of course you can. But I just think that must be so difficult. Yes. I mean, not that it should be, but I don't think I could do it. No. Well, uh, he also says, does Paul Kent, she says, this is something you've got to look forward to, uh, Ruth. And oh, that great. is, yeah, when you go to your hall's 25 year reunion, mm. so in 25 <laughs> years' time, you'll be going to the Vanbrugh Hall reunion. Yeah. He says, uh, and the warden returns, and you realise you are now older than he was when he was your warden in 1992. I don't know what a warden is. Well, obviously he had a warden of his hall. He maybe went to Oxford or Cambridge, maybe had a warden. I think they're called stims, is the equivalent of that. Stims? Stims and sticks. Stims and sticks. Stick is is called student something ah, i don't know they, i think they're just the terms for york it's student something mentor something something mentor i don't know yeah. but i get what you mean but then no because the warden would be much older if they're saying that i don't i don't know what that is uh, Hugh Besson, who's on regular email, if, if, Hugh, if Hugh doesn't email us, we know we're in real trouble, says, um, another good pod, although I'm not sure about eating pasta out of the pan. I, think. I can't really get on board with that, eating pasta straight out of the try pan. It. Yeah, try it. Don't knock it until you've tried it. No, true. A question for Ruth now, she's in the swing of things. Does university have to be three years, before years in your case? Mm. Uh, wouldn't you rather have the course suppressed into two or less? It's always amazed me how much time students get off. The academic year seems to last about 26 weeks, and some of those are reading weeks or whatever, he says. Um, You could still have a two-month summer and two weeks for Christmas and do 40 weeks in a year. You'll be saving a year of your life, probably reducing accommodation costs and definitely reducing food costs, says Hugh. Yeah, I get that. There there are are universities that do it, and especially in America, you can usually make your course two years rather than three or four. But I think you need it because I think you need the first year to not be that intense. Like, I think it's necessary to be able to settle in and stuff. And then also people love going to uni so much that I'd be quite sad if it only lasted two years. But yeah, I guess you could. And then for like accommodation and stuff, I would understand why a lot of people would want it to be like that. I don't know. I'm glad it's three, well, four years in my case. It's going to be sad for me, though, not graduating with my year and stuff. Right, because you... And then, yeah, in the last year, I'm going to have to find, like... Because when we were talking about it, we were saying, oh, and then we can try and keep the house for the next year or whatever, but obviously I won't be there the third year. Mm -hmm. So they'll have to find someone to fill my room if they all do decide to live together or whatever, which would be quite sad. And then they'll all graduate and I'll be on my year abroad and I'll have to come back and it'll be different people and whatever. It's quite kind of sad. Um, elite universities, according to a report, should offer places at random to students who make the grade so that underprivileged applicants are not disadvantaged. This is according to a, a think tank. And what it's saying is that Britain's top institutions, including Oxbridge, uh, are making 
what they call glacial progress in closing the gap between the numbers of places offered to rich and poor students. So what they say when they say by glacial progress, they mean virtually no progress. Mm. It's moving at the speed of a glacier, basically. I mean, with climate change, it's... That metaphor will become void, but yeah. Well, yeah, no, you're right. We're going to lose a metaphor. If that doesn't scare you about climate change, we're going to lose a metaphor and several polar bears and people and people and people. people. Um, what do they mean randomly? Well, what they're saying is that it, it, the argument is that a lottery with applicants who achieve certain A-level grades selected at random could be the radical approach to speed things up. So if you just did it. By, uh, by lottery mm. it's not really fair though is it because especially with places like oxford and cambridge it's not just about the grades that you get well yes but which is which you, is a bit of a problem the, but yeah what it's saying is that the current system with interviews and all that is favoring more privileged students if you like yeah whereas the system that they're recommending just at random would actually turn out to be fairer than, yeah, I uh, guess so. But then it's also not fair. You know, there's some people who aren't suited to Oxford and Cambridge, and I think the interviews sometimes sometimes they're wrong. I'm sure, and sometimes I bet they pick people because they're no, but if you Oxford to... because they're Oxford material, their parents went to Oxford, mm, whatever. Yeah. I'm sure they do do that. But sometimes well, I think they do select the people who would. Glacial. Yeah, I know, but I'm sometimes I think they do weed out people who are just not cut out for that kind of study. Like I'm sure if I'd have gone to an interview, they wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got in because it doesn't suit me at all. And that's what I mean. Like, if they just did it randomly based on people's grades who had applied, and there's lots of people who apply who are not suited to it, and then they'd be getting in randomly. Like, I'm not sure it would actually work. Well, they're only not suited to it because those institutions are like they are. No, no, no. I just, I know, I mean, not suited to it is in they don't, they wouldn't like the type of study it is, the intensive study. But is it not as intensive as going no, to it's, the it's, Russell Group? No, no, no. It's wait, Oxford and Cambridge is completely different. Their their terms are shorter and more compact in terms of like what they do. the The way that they measure things is different. Like they're very different the terms schools. Are shorter, so the terms are shorter. What even than yours? Yeah. So their terms are shorter. So they started it's quite a bit worth, later than us. Worth going. The York terms are already quite short because they. Did everyone hear that? Gosh, you just cannot get people with a degree of professionalism anymore. Right, go and see what you're saying, because that will get us out. I hope it doesn't. So the York and Durham terms are shorter, I think, than other universities because they're modelled off a semi-Oxford-Cambridge thing. Like, I think that's the idea. At York, when studying English Lit, I'm trying to remember, I think they do one formative essay every two weeks or something. I think that Oxford and Cambridge do, like, two a week or something. And so they do need to meet people, I think, to see whether they would be suited to it, because I definitely think they that I wouldn't be. Mm. And so, it is a different form of study. So what you're saying, really, is that Oxford and Cambridge can't change, so they've got to sort no, of No, I think they less. can change. I think there should be higher quarters... To, to me and that they they definitely still do select people who are white and middle class regardless of whether they've been to state or private school like, i still think that's a problem hmm. but well this is supposed to solve i know but i'm saying that i don't know whether that would actually work realistically no. speaking okay. let's talk about dating Let's let's talk about dating. Apparently, this is this is a report that I really. I mean, I, I I really got on board with this. Did you? Yes, I did. It's a study published in something called the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. Sounds and like bold, but okay. Well, what the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships, right? <laughs> um, but I agree with this a hundred percent. Right, good looks and charisma. So you're right. You've got those. <laughs> Uh, I think you might be biased for whatever. Good looks and charisma can help, but in the world of online dating, grammatical pedantry might be the ultimate turn-on. Researchers have found that singletons searching for love on dating websites are put off by poor spelling, typos and informal diction. The research, which looked at nearly 800 members of a large dating website in the Netherlands who were asked to read fictitious profiles, 
models uh, with and without language errors. They were then asked to rate the attractiveness of the profile owners. Um, so what it's saying really is, if you're ungrammatical and you make typos and things in your dating profile, um, that will put people off. People, And it would certainly put me off. It, and I, I suspect it would you, if you read an oh, yeah, ungrammatical thing and you thought somebody was ungrammatical. And no, it would said, just make them seem like it's... I think it would be two things. It would make them seem stupid and also like they don't care. Mm. Rather than like just the grammar. So, but I'm just saying what I, you know, if I saw somebody and they'd use less when it should be fewer, I couldn't. No, that wouldn't. That wouldn't. That Are definitely you sure? wouldn't. Wouldn't put you off at all. Definitely not. Guardian, you know what the key in um, in online dating things? Dogs. If you've got a picture with a dog, you're something like 25 percent more likely to have like a swipe right on yeah, Tinder. Yeah, you're young. You know, yeah, even no, no, no. Would they expect a dog. To own a dog? Not to own a dog. It's just the having the dog. In the profile, yeah, it's 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 genuinely the statistic is mad. I can't remember what it is exactly, but but I think it, it may be a, a sort of class slash education thing. If you see somebody whose profile is ungrammatical, full of spelling errors, that sort of thing, you might think they're a lower cast than you, if you like. Sorry, when did we start using the word cast? <laughs> just now. I just thought it was the appropriate. No, we're not word. bringing it back at all. Apologies. What's wrong with the word cast? Are you not because, allowed to use that? Well, because it was really... First of all, it's massively outdated. And also, it refers to the, like, Indian... Yeah, they use their, it. Their, their usage of it, and it was really, like, racist and stuff. Is that racist? I wasn't talking about Indian people. I was talking about... No, but everybody. that's where the word, like, comes from. Yeah, that's what they used so, to use it for. No, so we're, not, we're not using that word. word. Lots of words come from Indian. The word Gymkhana comes from Indian. I don't know what that is. A Gymkhana, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's an equestrian event. It's right. A, a we'll leave that, that there. from um, uh, India. Uh, there's a lot of words. I don't, I don't think it's cl- a class issue, to be honest. Don't you think so? Do you not no. think when you see bad spelling and bad No, I think it's just an intelligence thing. I don't think it's a class mm. issue. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting. I, th- I, don't, let's, I, I think there's a tendency to make everything a class issue at the moment. Not just at the moment, I th- but I think, it, I think it is. You'd rather go out with someone nice and middle class, wouldn't you? No, I'd rather go out with someone who's lovely and nice and kind. Subconsciously. No. I think think grammar and spelling is very, very important. I was. Yeah, I I agree, but that's. I don't turn it into a class issue. I'd rather go out with someone who's kind to me than someone who's. That's why I said cast rather than class. Because I think it is a different thing. I may be using the word wrongly, but I yeah, think... Yeah, I think it's an intelligence thing. I'd rather go out with someone who's smart, yeah. Hmm. And, and also someone who's careful over messages because it shows that they they care about what they're saying to you. Well, listen to this. I was reading The Guardian this morning. I'm here to do nothing but listen, Dad. I was reading The Guardian this morning and they were talking about Boris Johnson. Other newspapers are available. Other newspapers, especially The Times. (laughs) The Times, which we enjoy. We really enjoy. But anyway, I was reading The Guardian, The Guardian Online thing uh, about the election and uh, Boris Johnson was saying that uh, he realises that a lot of these voters in the North who voted for him, uh, he says... We realise you may only have lent us your votes, and the Guardian spelt lent, L-E-A-N-T. And I stopped reading at that point. You know, the, the Guardian was not my date oh, for the morning. come on. Because, you know, lent, L-E-A-N-T, lent us your votes. Very, very bad. I, I mean, that's A lot of that is due to the fact that newspapers part... You know, I'm just I, saying it's quite an easy mistake to make, that. That would put me easy, off someone, though, yeah. Yeah. And it would put you more. What would put me off is um, ridiculous use of emojis, just like taking obscure. So, I don't mind the odd cry laughy face, that's fine. I prefer to just use a colon and a bracket personally, that's fine. But it's the usage of emojis that only your mum uses the one with the two, like the little praising hands, um, multiple thumbs up, the one with the little sweat. What are you doing? Just stick to, like, one emoji, but not even many. Like, the usage of emojis really... And get your spelling right. Yeah. And, well, don't, and don't start a sentence due to, due to this. And you may have seen my um, tweet the other day. Um, if you go no, on... that that doesn't annoy me at all. What? But it's wrong. It should be owing Yeah, to. I know, but if it... Um, grammar's only there to, for the clarity of expression. And, and being pedantic over grammar for no particular reason is just silly. Like when people are like literally, 
and then they're like well no not literally is it it's figuratively or whatever mm. the, the meaning of literally has morphed into something else like language isn't a static thing that doesn't change like it's silly to be pedantic over stuff that that when the expression is clear i think it's not silly to be pedantic over literally but simply because you no, i think it's overused but it's well overused but also there is you know literally if you say i was literally blown away you then uh, sacrifice the use of when you were in fact literally blown away you know say for instance no, but, 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 so, but the meaning of literally say, has changed well, it shouldn't change because why shouldn't it change? Why must why why can't because it change? you need the you need a word to say to stress the fact that you weren't blown away in that you thought that the the, the new Harry Styles LP is very good. You know, you weren't literally blown away by uh, Harry Styles. You know, then you would have you sacrifice the use of a word for when there is actually a gas explosion in your house and you were literally blown away. Right. Well, if you I don't think we're going to reach a an agreement on this well, in particular think, well I don't think there's uh, two ways about it because if you say the gas cooker exploded and I was literally blown away something oh you enjoyed it then did you it was great well, no was well no that's not oh, okay whatever <laughs> would you like to know what's the most played song of the decade yeah oh wait I think I already know is it One Dance by Drake? No. Oh, I th- he was on Spotify. There was loads of stuff about him being, like, uh, most people's, like, artist of the decade and stuff. Well, the most played song of the decade, and it's somebody we've seen quite recently on the screen. Just go on, just tell me. Ed Sheeran. Oh. It was Ed Sheeran and Shape of You is the most played song of the decade. He's had eight UK number ones, sold 150 million records, passed Adele in the list of Britain's wealthiest musicians. Uh, Ed Sheeran is now celebrating the fact that Shape of You is the most streamed song of the decade. That's Um, ridiculous. It's racked up more Spotify listens around the globe, 6.5 billion 6.5 6.5 billion Spotify listens than any other track between 2010 and 2019. Because Spotify have just released That's all, mental, their, really. uh, all their lists, haven't they? Mm. Presumably they sent you the money. Yeah, yeah, my Spotify those. wrapped. Yeah. yeah. Although I didn't get that. Or, uh, you did. did you I? definitely did. I did well. You always say, oh, and I never... You and Mum both do it. Oh, well, they never sent me that. And I'm like, no, no, they did. You just didn't see it. There is a difference. Have they banned uh, canteen trays? at uh, your university to cut waste. Well, no, we have a tray, but you just put it back at the end. Right, well, it says trays have been banned by St Andrews University. Um, they implemented the move after a think tank conducting research at the university found that students were the worst offenders of any age group when it came to waste at mealtimes, throwing away, on average, uh, food worth £273 each year. Uh, Zero Waste Scotland said that banning trays and large plates in canteens would prompt students to think more carefully about how much they could eat. I don't even put my own food on my plate, so don't really get an option. But I do waste food. They're really big portions. Well, yeah, you were saying. I always say, oh, no, not quite as much as that, but then they're like, they get all confused. You're a growing girl, but uh, you've got uh, important study to do. Do you have a meme for us? No, but have a your fashion. So these are the confessions that people can send in, and they're all York University students. Although there's been some... What's the word? Dispute? Dispute. Some controversy? Controversy, I think, is better. There's been some controversy on this your fashion thing because they've been accused of stealing purse from other... Confession University yeah. Confessions account the Durfess or whatever, which is Durham Confessions, and there's been a whole thing. But anyway, we'll ignore all that because it's really quite confusing. It really goes quite deep back, and I don't really know what's going on. But this I thought was quite funny. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I pretend to listen to grime, but all that's in these headphones is the powerhouse of Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart. I fear <laughs> if anyone found out there, they'd not find me quite so sexy. That's brilliant. This there was a couple of um, your fashions as well that was like, 
um, I can't stop listening to James Blunt. Uh, went seven hours without listening to James Blunt. My greatest achievement. <laughs> like loads of James Blunt related things. Yeah, because there is such snobbery attached to music, especially when you're young. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like for instance, you won't admit that you're a real fan of Ed Sheeran. I'm uh, not a real fan of Ed Sheeran. Get, I just don't think he's terrible. Him. I don't love Ed Sheeran. When we saw we watched yesterday, oh. the sort of fairly average film about the yeah. about the guy who remembers the Beatles and nobody else remembers the Beatles and all the songs are written by him etc. Fairly average, Dad did cry though. Yeah, well I was cry at films I mean it was, it started off as a good film didn't it, the first 20 minutes was uh, was funny. Yeah go on, what were you, get us your point uh, My point is that when Ed, oh Ed Sheeran, yeah he's great Ed Sheeran, No that wasn't what I was saying, I just said oh it is good it. that he always does stuff like yeah. he's always, like he was in Game of Thrones and he was in Bridget Jones and all that rhymes um <laughs> And he was in that film. You know, like I just, I, I like that he does yeah. stuff. You know, he wrote all Justin mm. Bieber's songs. He's hardworking. That's right. all I was saying. I don't it, love him. I don't think his music it, is very good. It, oh, it's come just on. cheesy. You like, you like his music. I don't. I don't ever yeah. listen to it. If it comes on in the radio, on the radio, then I would I turn think it off. We've had Ed Sheeran on in the car. We haven't. There's not a single Ed Sheeran song on my playlist. Well, there's several on mine, and you're going to hear them all all the way back. No, no. No, okay, but but there is a lot of snobbery about music. Oh, yeah, definitely. My whole, between the ages of 12 and 14, it was mostly just me pretending to know the words of songs I did not know the words to. Mm. And also pretending not to like very, very popular acts. Yeah, probably. Have a lesson, a lesson on this. When ABBA came out, when ABBA were out in the 70s, and Dolly Parton and a lot of others, and some of the disco oh, songs. I love Dolly Parton. Uh, yeah, Earth, Wind and Fire, all that. People would say, oh, God, I can't stand disco. I hate ABBA. And everybody would say, oh, God, not another ABBA song. And people used to think it was rubbish. People would go around deliberately saying ABBA is rubbish. It's turned out over the years not to be rubbish. But everybody said it was. So be careful what you reject. In twenty years' time, Ed Sheeran will be uh, will be cult listening. Mm, yeah, cult. And will. all that other stuff that people uh, reject has been too cheesy. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons we may not be getting many emails at the moment is we haven't actually said the email you, address. If, no, the email address. If you do want to get in touch, um, it's Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail dot com. That's Martin and Ruth Podcast all under no, not underscore. What's it called? All lowercase at gmail dot com. And one more time, because I have to say no, it three I'll, times. I'll oh, you want to do yeah, it once. rule of three. Okay, go on then. Martin and... Just say it. I'm going to. Martin and okay, Ruth... No, no, just, just say it, like, just normally. If you do want to get into this, <laughs> it's martinandruthpodcast.gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you may uh, agree or disagree with some of the views expressed, whether it's about uh, grammatical accuracy in dating or um, Jeremy Corbyn and the uselessness or not thereof. And um, if you are online, you can go onto Spotify and hear the two songs from this week in full on the Spotify playlist and all the other songs from all the other weeks. Um, if you just type in Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad, but Martin and Ruth podcast or Martin and Ruth or whatever, we'll get you there. So see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.